podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. De Bruyne, one mil City, for And Pogba leaves for McTominay! Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, EPL Index proudly brings to you the best prediction podcast in the world, a tad predictable. With your host, Tariwa Chanakira, and his guest, Mr. Two-Footed himself, it's Dave Hendrick. Hello and welcome to episode 14 of A Tad Predictable. Uh, We mentioned last week that the games are coming thick and fast, and that means these podcasts are coming a lot more regularly. Uh, So we've decided to bring someone on that's used to going on quite often. He's on every single day, pretty much on... EPL Index. It's Dave Hendrick. Dave Hendrick from Two for the Pod. Welcome, Dave. Hi. Hey, Todio. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. And you? I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, it's getting a bit stressy now with, with all these games coming so so quickly, but um, not too bad. You know, Christmas is nearly here, so, you know, something to look forward to in a few days off, hopefully. Definitely, definitely. And it's it's the real December now. We've We've had December for about three months, it feels, in the Premier League fixtures. Yeah, I mean, especially for teams at the top of the league where, you know, they're playing European football as well. And obviously there was the the EFL Cup at the start of the season. It's been a very hectic fixture list for for a lot of clubs. For some others, they haven't had to deal with it yet. So it'll be interesting to see how a club like Southampton, for example, deals with games in quick succession, which they haven't had to deal with yet this season. Yeah, it, it will be interesting to see how they navigate those and whether that whole vote for the five subs comes back to buy people now or not. Um, although they were revisiting it today, if I'm not mistaken. They voted against it today, but they did vote <laughs> to increase the bench size from seven to nine, which just seems like a pointless compromise. Um, but, you know, you have to keep Chris Wilder happy because he's got nothing else to keep him happy at the moment with one point from 36, although... Obviously, they play United later on tonight. There is always hope when you play United with the way Ollie's team somehow just goes up and down, although they're in good form at the moment. Um, but Dave, we'll look into the fixtures coming off the back of this first week. We've mentioned it's the real December now. How do you think teams are going to be approaching this weekend? It's For majority of the teams, it's the first time they've really had to have three competitive games in a row within the space of seven to eight days? I think there's there's two schools. There's obviously the, the clubs that have the um, the quarterfinals of the EFL Cup coming up in the middle of next week. They might have to take a slightly different approach if they want to be serious about winning that. So they might rest a few players. For clubs like you know like Liverpool, for example, they, they have an eight-day gap from when they play Palace to when they play West Brom. So they may well just look to roll things on, go full strength again. I, I think they'll probably make one or two changes, but nothing too severe. But I think, you know, with the gap coming up, most teams have the better part of a week or, or over a week off. 
Um, I do think most teams will probably go full strength here and it's on the back side of Christmas. I think we'll start to see rotation when there is like three games in five, six days for a lot of teams. Yeah, that that seems to make sense. Um, at least try and gather as much points as you can now whilst you've got all the players' legs within them. Um, and then we'll see what happens later on at the end of December. But we'll move swiftly on into the fixtures this week. Obviously, this part, the previous podcast, just a shout out to say thank you to everyone that reached out to us, um, to me personally, and then also to uh, the Tad Predictable Twitter, just to... We got some good response for getting guests to give their predictions for just the like singular games. You are obviously part of that, and then now we've brought you in to do a whole list of fixtures. Um, we start off with Crystal Palace versus Liverpool. Obviously, it's in London. It would have been a lot harder, I think, with Crystal Palace fans being there, opposed to not being there. Do you think that has a factor, and and how do you see the game going? I definitely do think the lack of fans has made a big difference this season, uh, but in two different ways. Number one, obviously, it does take away a little bit of that that home field advantage that clubs normally have by having their supporters there. But I also think we're seeing players that maybe haven't performed at as high a level before in terms of the game-to-game performance, not in terms of being in the Premier League, but just guys who were good players now very good players because without fans there they may be more willing to try to try different things to to take a risk you know to have the long range shot to play a risky pass uh to beat a man because there's nobody there to moan at them they're not going to hear that collective groan from the the crowd if it goes wrong so i do think players are playing with a bit more freedom i think that's part of what's uh contributing to the madness of this season as for this game obviously Palace come into it in decent form, uh, a win and two draws in their last three. They played very well against West Brom once West Brom went down to 10 men. They had a really good second half against Spurs and a decent performance last night against West Ham where they went 1-0 up. The suspension of Benteke is a bit of a blow. He scored three in, in two games for them, which was you know half of what he'd scored in the previous three seasons. So like that was a nice boost for them. Uh, Liverpool obviously come into it after beating Spurs, but their away form this season has been poor. Just the one win. This is a game Liverpool should win. You'd imagine they'll be confident of winning. But the the away form has been an issue. And Will has in really good form for Palace. I still think Liverpool should win this game. But because I'm terrible at predictions and everybody... <laughs> who either has listened to me on this podcast before or on AI Scouted or on the Two-Footed Pod knows I'm dreadful at predictions. So what I'm doing here is I'm attempting to reverse Jinx Liverpool all the way to a Premier League title. <laughs> I'm going to say this game is a one-all draw, knowing that I'll be wrong and hopefully I'll be wrong in, in the right way for my team. I would have thought then you would have predicted a Crystal Palace win, or is that just too far a stretch for I you? Could, I could <laughs> never, I could never back the Hodgie against Liverpool. <laughs> never. I, if he was managing Real Madrid in like prime Ronaldo, Real Madrid, and, and we still had, you know, Dejan Lovren at centre back, I'd still only <laughs> predict a draw. Amazing, amazing. Well, we'll we'll see if if it works for you this week. Uh, from my end, I think. 
it's going to be a tough game. As as I said, the fact that there won't be any fans, obviously London's gone back into tier three. Mm. So even the small amount of fans, which I think helped them in that Tottenham game, where usually you would hear just the playback of normal crowd noise, whereas their fans got more and more into it the longer the game went in and, and the more they realized we've got a chance here. We, we could actually either get a draw or a win at one point. So I think that is what's going to see Liverpool throughout in this game is that they they can take that away from Palace's players. And I'm going to go with a 2-1 Liverpool win. I don't think it will be easy. As you say, it's going to be a tough game. I'm glad Benteke is not playing because I was scared Aston Villa Benteke was going to show up in this game. And he was always dangerous against Liverpool. So we'll move on from that game and we'll move to... A very interesting game. Maybe at the beginning of the season, you wouldn't say it was as interesting as it now is. It's Southampton versus Man City. And it's a Southampton side that's currently in third place in the Premier League. Probably sitting where City would have liked to have been sitting. I think if City were in third place now, they would be feeling quite confident about being able to give a stronger title run than they've done so far. Yeah, I mean, City have been one of the big disappointments of this season. Um, there's a lack of creativity and a lack of cutting edge in the team. They don't have that dynamic nature they had a few years ago when when they were destroying everybody. Um, Saints are having a great season and they should be absolutely thrilled with, with what they've accomplished so far this year. Uh, they're in really good form, obviously. Two wins and a draw from their last three. They'll be confident, I think, coming into this game, especially, you know, given the game is is at St Mary's, so they you know they get that home advantage. And even though it's no fans, it's still a long journey from Manchester down to Southampton, so that plays into their favour as well. Um, it's always hard to pick against City because you just know that they can turn it on at the drop of a hat, and in De Bruyne and Sterling and, and Aguero, they do have match winners. But it's hard to pick against Saints this year because they've been so good and, and they've you know they've overcome so much in the last 13 months since that night Leicester hammered them. Um I'm gonna I'm gonna play it safe again and I'm gonna say a two two draw. A big goal scoring draw. Um yeah. I don't know if you could maybe elaborate on this, but I, my thought process for this one was that Southampton, and, and obviously Hasenhutl would hope this doesn't happen, but they could be going into this way too confident, especially having mm. played Arsenal, who tried to employ some of the tactics that Pep Guardiola obviously has at City. And Southampton, I thought, dealt well with any presses that Arsenal gave them in this game. Could that be to their detriment coming up against City thinking, oh, we could do this again and and come unstuck against a press, uh, a more disciplined and more well-worked press than an Arsenal one? No, I don't think it's a big risk for this Saints team because I think they're quite a grounded group of individuals and, and they'll all remember where they were a year ago. So I don't think any of them will take this for granted. Um, especially when you look at that City team and when they play Rodri and Gundogan as a double pivot, they do tend to struggle to press a little bit because De Bruyne is a good presser, but he can't do it consistently over the 90 minutes. They're not really getting much pressing from their number nine at the moment. Now, if Aguero's back, it's a little bit different. He's, he's a bit more 
a little bit more diligent in that regard than than Gabby Jesus can be. But I say, City just they don't impress me at the moment, and I think Saints will be confident. And obviously, like you say, they've just played a team in Arsenal that employ some similar uh, tactical makeups to what City do. But I, I think they'll be. They'll be very much grounded by the manager. I think Hassan is one of the best managers in the league. And I really do think he'll have them going into this game with an underdog mentality more than more than the belief that, you know, they're the team to beat. Um, I think that's probably swayed my decision. Um, I'm going to go with a 2-1 uh, Southampton win for this one. I, I, that was the worry that I had, that maybe they might be lulled into a false sense of security having played Arsenal um you know just a couple of days before and and then get exposed by City but if as you say and I agree with you Hazen Hootel is probably one of the few managers that would pick that up and mm. make sure that his players know not to do that and and warn them um we move on to another very astute manager in Carlo Ancelotti who has his West Ham side um Everton side back on track it seems or well especially coming up against an Arsenal side that seems to be struggling is this the perfect game for Everton to continue the good form that they've carried on or is this maybe a reaction game for Arteta against his old club I think Arsenal need a reaction game don't they I mean their form has not been good uh no wins in their last five three defeats in that time Three red cards in that time as well, which is a bit of a concern um, in, in terms of discipline. A lot of stuff leaking out about unrest in the dressing room and a lack of trust between players and manager. And it's not ideal for Arsenal. And you do sort of look at, at Arteta, and, and I had high hopes from taking the job, and I think he did quite well last season. But, you know, they've got Everton, then they play City in the Cup, then they've got Chelsea and then Brighton. And kind of look at that and think if you don't win you know if you don't take four or six points in the league you may be in a lot of trouble because you're already three points behind Newcastle and Leeds above you you're only three points above Brighton below you're only five points above Fulham below you who are you know one of the teams that heavily tip for relegation um and if 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 Burnley were to win their two games in hand now admittedly they're two one of the games is Villa tonight and the other one is um, is United. So they're tough games. But if Burnley could win both of those, they would jump above Arsenal and, and push them down. So I think there's a lot of pressure on Arteta. And I think this is a bad game for Arsenal because Gabriel will be suspended, which takes out their best aerial centre-back. Calvert-Lewin is brilliant in the air. Everton have found a bit of form recently. Um They've they've won their last two games and looked good. They look good against um against Chelsea and they look good again against Leicester. I think Everton win this game and I think they might win it comfortably. I'm gonna say three one. Um I, I just think Everton are a far better team at the minute with a much better manager and Arsenal look a little bit lost. Um and if you are lost this weekend and, and you're trying to figure out how on earth you're gonna navigate watching all these games and making sure you've got access to all the games. And I highly, highly recommend that you link up with our presenting sponsors, Liberty Shield. That's Liberty Shield. They're a VPN provider and I can testify to how awesome they are. I got hooked up by Liberty Shield 
earlier this month and it's just been a joy having it taking that stress out of trying to figure out which which account to log on to first and foremost just to watch mm. a game but also just the array of other things that you could access from there this past weekend we were able to watch tenant in full 4k hd it was really cool to watch uh, something that you probably wouldn't have been able to watch had you not had something like the package that v, um, Liberty Shield is offering with their VPN. Dave, are, are you are you on board Liberty Shield? Or? Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm practically an employee at this point. Um, yeah, I mean, they, it's a great service. It obviously helps you keep your keep your data safe online, which is massive. You know, in the current climate that we live in, with hackers and ne'er do wells, it allows you to access content you wouldn't normally have access to by simply changing your location online and if you use the code EPLVPN you'll get 20% off at checkout so you can't go wrong you can get a hardware package or just a software package whichever you want and they're great to deal with like they are the people that own the company are brilliant and they have really good customer service so you'll, you'll never be left in the lurch how about that could you repeat that um, discount code it's EPLVPN Awesome stuff. So not only do I bring Dave on for the football knowledge, but also for the Liberty Shield knowledge and um, nice cheat codes there. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> that is pretty awesome. Um, Arsenal will be hoping they had a cheat code for this game because mm. I, I think it's going to be tough sledding for them. Everton are going to have their fans as well. And we saw what they, they did against Chelsea. I, I, it sounded like a full Goodison Park. Yeah, it really did. And like, you know, you mentioned earlier with Palace not having their fans and what a big blow to them that is because Palace do have very loud, yeah. raucous fans. And Everton fans can be the same way, you know, especially the ones that are going to these games. They are making plenty of noise. We saw it last night with Liverpool Spurs, 2,000 in the cup. It sounded like there was 25,000 in the stadium. Um, and Everton's, Everton's one of those old school stadiums as well. Like Goodison is one of those old school designs which keeps a lot of the sound in. And so you're right that the 2000 can make a big difference. Yeah, I'm I'm going to go with a 2-0 Everton win. I, I think Arsenal's goal-scoring woes continue despite what Aubameyang did this past weekend. Um this past week getting getting that duck off his off his record. I, I just don't see Arsenal flowing at the moment and I think this compounds the the trouble that Arteta is in. I, for me, I think Arteta could be a, a really good manager, but I just don't think it's going to happen in Arsenal because I'm not seeing the backing that he needs um, on and off the pitch. It, it seems like the players aren't backing him on the pitch and, and then around the club, it just seems a mess at the moment. And hopefully he can turn around, but I'm, I'm not optimistic about this game. Um, Newcastle fans will be hoping for a more optimistic day. They take on Fulham in our next fixture. They they looked pretty good early on against uh, Leeds, and then it just seemed to fall apart, Dave. Yeah, um, it, it has been a bit of a problem for them, you know, sustaining that. They, they make the good start, and then they struggle to sustain it. You would hope that at home they'll have enough to um, to beat Fulham, who, you know, they've had a pretty poor start. But I think if you line these teams up talent-wise, Fulham have the more talented team. I think if they had a Callum Wilson up front, they'd probably be a lot better off. Their issue has been, of course, scoring goals. Um, Newcastle's manager is just very good at grinding out results, and it's why he keeps getting jobs, is that Steve Bruce can grind out results. 
we yet to see Scott from Scott Parker an ability to grind out results. Uh, this is a long trip for Fulham, and even though Newcastle were were hammered by Leeds, they did have some good moments. They did display some some decent football and some real purpose in how they play. I think Newcastle have the advantage here, given it's at home. I, I'll go two one Newcastle. Two one to Newcastle, and obviously, we saw how Fulham can be dangerous uh, in games mm. this past weekend as, as Liverpool fans um, to our frustration. But I think obviously, I don't know if that game would suit. Um, a, a game against Newcastle. I don't think they're going to get as much space on transition as as they did against Liverpool, and that I think is going to be the undoing for Fulham. I think Lookman and the likes they they like to have the freedom to sprint with the ball, run at defenders, and it it doesn't seem like Steve Bruce is going to allow any teams to do that too often. Although some of those goals against Leeds, I, I think maybe it was just Newcastle were now chasing the game, and I'm, I'm going to give. Bruce the benefit of the doubt and say that's not going to happen a lot often where they're getting exposed you know three on one counter attacks and stuff like that um, I agree with you that's going to be a tough game for Fulham but I'm, I'm still going to go with the draw in this one I'm going to go with the 1-1 draw I think both teams are just going to cancel each other out in the end and it, I don't know who will be happier with the point probably Fulham as you say having traveled um, for the game and then Newcastle maybe slightly disappointed it being a home game um and the fixture that follows this one is another one that's also near the bottom of the premier league and has importance in terms of we said picking up as many points as you can at this time of the season it's brighton versus sheffield united obviously sheffield united still to play tonight they play man united do you think them playing so late, playing on a Thursday, is going to have any impact on this game, or will, will they be fine for for the weekend? Um, I I I think it's tough. It's obviously it's it's a short turnaround. It's a similar. It's actually a longer turnaround than Liverpool had from Spurs to Palace on Saturday morning, though, because they're the earlier kickoff, so they do get like an extra two hour rest. But it is a short turnaround, obviously. Um, I'm not sure how much of a difference it's going to make, though, because Sheffield United looked like a bit of a lost cause at the minute. One win from 12, one point from 36, uh, an inability to score goals, an inability to defend very well. Um, you know, five goals from 12 games is just its an abomination, really. Five defeats in a row. They're just, they look lost. They look like a team that's kind of already, um, you know, been been passed sentence on and they're just slowly walking their way to the gallows um brighton at home have been better against the good teams than maybe they have been against the lesser teams but brighton are in a position now where they need to start winning games themselves or they're going to start getting dragged back into the relegation battle because fulham are only two points behind them they obviously drew with them uh, last night burnley are two points behind but have those games in hand and, you know, West Brom only four points back, having just appointed Big Sam. It will start to get twitchy for Brighton if they don't start to pick up points. I'm going to say Brighton have the have enough to beat them in Brighton. Um, I'm going to say 2-0 to Brighton. 2-0. Um, Dave, and uh, we've got you here, and you obviously have a soft spot for Brighton and, and the mm. way they play under Graham Potter. 
what could could you share more on the striker situation? Because you mentioned they're struggling to get the goals. You have the likes of Mope in the squad. You know, obviously he's had some issues recently on and off the field. But is is there hope for them? Is is there you know Danny Welbeck is now there. He's getting starts. What what's going on with the striker situation? I said all summer that they needed to buy a goal scorer. Like they've got a bunch of good attackers in the likes of Trossard, Connolly, Mopay, uh, Alexis McAllister, who's there and is really, really talented, but hasn't hasn't featured this year from in an, an injury and, and COVID. Um, but they needed a focal point. Like they needed a, a modern day Glenn Murray, who was key to a lot of what they did over the years. And they went for Darwin Nunes. Um, who chose to go to Benfica kind of understandably. I mean, you know, Benfica won the biggest clubs in Europe. So if you have an opportunity to go there. You, you do take that move, but they were linked with Nico, uh, Nico Gonzalez of Stuttgart as well. Nothing materialized there. Um, and then they did nothing. They didn't sign anybody up front. They brought in Danny Welbeck who'd been released by Watford has never been a, a consistent goal scorer. Isn't the type of guy you really want as your number nine He's fine if you've got a, a you know a proper goal scorer up front, and you just want a foil for him, who'll do all the hard work and you know is good hold up play and link up play. Welbeck can fit into that, but they don't have that that focal point as a nine. They don't have that goal scorer. I, I said all summer Weghorst from uh, Wolfsburg was perfect for them. Uh, they were kind of loosely linked at one point, but nothing ever came of it. Um, I think that has hampered them big time. Over-reliance on a couple of average players as well. Um, you know, and then they've had some injuries as well. And then, like you say, the Mope thing is just strange. He's obviously had a bit of a falling out with Graham Potter and it's cost him his place in the team. But they're so much better when he's on the pitch than when he's not. It'll be interesting to see with them over the next few months. Like, if they start to slide backwards into that that bottom three, you know, will they have patience and, and keep Graham Potter? They gave him a... a Big new contract only six months after appointing him. So they're on the hook for a lot of money there. Uh, I've always had a soft soft spot for Brighton. I lived in Brighton for years. I had a season ticket at the Amex when it first opened. Or the Amex, I should say. That's when it first opened. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I do have a soft spot for them. And like you say, they've been really good under Potter. But I, I like them under Chris Hutton as well. And there's, there's obviously that Irish connection with, with Chris Hutton. So I, I want to see them do well, and I really thought they were just a couple of players short this year. If they'd gotten that that striker, and if they'd brought in, if they'd gone and gotten Ryan Sessegnon on loan when Spurs were offering him around, I think him and, and Lamptey as wing backs would have worked really, really well. You get Basuma and proper in midfield; they're both quality, and then you've got you know McAllister, Mope, and Trossard. Pick two from those three, and then then your big man up front. I think. I think they would have been a team that could have challenged for 10th, perhaps. You know, I think they would have been a top-half contender. Maybe not have gotten top-half, but certainly been contending there. Now, look, because the league is so condensed, they are only nine points off Wolves in 10th, but they don't look like closing that gap anytime soon. Uh, they're going to need to do something in January. Um, I know they've had they've been hit by the, the financial wallop of COVID, as all clubs have, and it's tougher for small clubs. But they need to do something in January to, to solve that, that goal-scoring problem. The defence, I think, will improve. You know, they've been a little bit ropey, but 
Ben White is a very high-end prospect. Lewis Dunk is a good defender, and, and Webster's a good defender. Basuma being fit and available every week is massive for them. And then once Proper is back in the team, that will help as well. They just need to sort things out at the other end. And, and I, I do think they'll be fine. I think they've got a really good manager, a good squad, good depth as well, like quality depth players there. But um, they just too short of being a, a very good team. Yeah, and I think the fact that they've got such good foundation in, in the players that they have there is probably why they're so popular. I know Guy, for example, football manager Brighton and now his team to start off with because there's just so much there and so much potential. And as you say, get a striker in there, maybe one or two more signings and they could really do some damage in the Premier League. Uh, for this specific game, I, I think I'm going to go with just a 1-0 Brighton win. I, I say just, uh, but it, it's an important three points if they can get it. Uh, I'm worried about the striker situation there. And uh, thank you for elaborating on that and, and where they could go in January. I'm sure Brighton fans will be pushing for, for you for director of football sometime soon, Dave. Um, we move on from that to our lovely segment, Bank It or Burn It. And Dave, you had a mini-series with Guy last time around. Oh, I, I got stitched on. up something <laughs> shocking. He he was saying you were the Sheffield United of of the Bank It or Burn It segment. Uh, his That's words, right. not mine. That's all right. That's all right. He's the Sheffield <laughs> Wednesday of everything. <laughs> well, uh, we brought it back. Uh, Jake had 14 out of 25 in the second iteration of Bank It or Burn It. Jody last week had 15 out of 25, so she's the leader at the moment. Obviously, the record from episode two is still 17 out of 23. Jake has that that one. But for this second iteration, Jody sits in the lead with 15 out of 25. Are you confident of knocking her out of that spot? Uh, no. <laughs> we've, we've, I was going to be honest, I'm not confident at all. <laughs> we've got a spur. We got Spurs on top of my power rankings as of uh, early December. Obviously, those will be revisited at the end of this month. And we've got a Spurs lady, Jody, at the top of our banquet or burn. It seems like Spurs. The only thing they're not top of, and, and maybe there's a cheeky dig at them, is is the league at the moment. But. We'll, we'll bring you in. We'll see how Jody, you get Jody, if you're, if you're listening, Jody, I, I hope you enjoyed your high score. Congratulations. Well done. But 2-1. It's the only thing that matters. 2-1. <laughs> Bobby Firmino. 90 minutes. You know. <laughs> Eric Dyer in the mud. Harry Maguire throwing himself around the place. Faking head injuries. Buses parked. No ambition. 2-1. That's the only thing that matters. It was, it was definitely a good one for Liverpool fans, not so good for Spurs fans, uh, especially with Bergwijn's performance. But let, let's see what your performance is like this week, Dave. Um, for those that are joining us for the first time, bank it or burn it, I'm going to ask Dave a series of five questions over the games that we've just spoken about. Um, the questions are A, over 35 clearances, B, possession 55-45 to the home team, C, over five shots on target. D, outside the box goal. E, point to the heavens goal celebration. If he thinks it's going to happen, he'll shout bank. If he thinks it's not going to happen, he'll shout burn it. And the fixtures again, Crystal Palace, Liverpool, Southampton, Man City, Everton, Arsenal, Newcastle, Fulham, Brighton, Sheffield, United. Dave, no pressure. Uh, are, are you ready? 
I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. Let me get your 15 seconds on the clock. Your first fixture is Crystal Palace versus Liverpool. Your time starts now. Over 35 clearances. Bank it. Possession 55-45 to the home team. Burn it. Over five shots on target. Bank it. Outside the box goal. Burn it. Point to the heavens goal celebration. Bank it. Bank it. You snuck that one in there. Out of curiosity, who were you thinking about when you thought point to the heavens goal celebration? Salah. Ah, yep. He he does tend to do that. The next fixture is Southampton versus Man City. This one, you said it was going to be a 2-2 game. So mm. lots of goals in that one. Um, your 15 seconds on the clock start now. Over 35 clearances. Burn it. 55-45 possession to the home team. Burn it. Over five shots on target. Bank it. Outside the box goal. Bank it. Point to the heavens goal celebration. Burn it. Burn it. That one was on me. I was flubbing my lines there a little bit. Um, but we got that one in. Burn it to end it off. We've got a bank it and a burn it so far in the point to the heavens goal celebration. Uh, your next fixture is Ar- Everton versus Arsenal. Your time starts now. Over 35 clearances. Bankers. Possession 55-45 to the home team. Bankers. Over five shots on target. Bankers. Outside the box goal. Burners. Point to the heavens goal celebration. Bankers. Are you saying William is scoring? No, Richarlison does that oh. point to the heaven thing as well. Now, he also does the knee slide, which is what it was the last time it was on. Yeah. So he, he tends to rotate between the two. He tends to kind of point... And then he'll do the slide. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I, I usually always think William when I think point to the heavens. Um, but he's not scoring too much for Arsenal. Well, Newcastle versus Fulham. This one should be an interesting one. 2-1, you predicted. Your time starts now. Over 35 clearances. Bank it. Possession 55-45 to the home team. Burn it. Over five shots on target. Burn it. Outside the box goal. Burn it. Point to the heavens goal celebration. Burn it. Ooh, just one banquet. That is interesting. We will end this off with Brighton versus Sheffield United. 15 seconds on the clock. Your time starts now. Over 35 clearances. Burn it. 55-45 possession to the home team. Bank it. Over five shots on target. Burn it. Outside the box goal. Burn it. Point to the heavens goal celebration. Bank it. And the one that's going to get the point to the heavens? I think Mopay does it from time to time. Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen I've seen him knee slide as well. It depends yeah. if it's raining or if it's like raining or not, whether they're going to be lots of knee slides or points the heavens I've found. It'll be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, Dave, we obviously move on to the team that you absolutely buried before you started the Spanket or Burn It. It's Tottenham Hotspur. They're going to be looking to bounce back against Leicester. Obviously, Still a, a, a very, very tough fixture. You probably, you know, in terms of two styles of football you're coming up against, probably two very different styles. 
having played Liverpool and then going up against a counter-attacking Leicester? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's This one's a difficult game. I mean, Spurs will want to do Spursy things, which is get in front, sit in and, and you know, and hope for opportunities to counterattack. Leicester can be the possession dominant team, no, no question, but they are better when they counterattack as well and use that pace of Vardy and Barnes and the creativity of Thielemans and Madison. Um, getting Johnny Evans back after the midweek suspension will be huge for, for Leicester in terms of being solid defensively and allowing Ndidi to push into midfield. You'd have to fancy Spurs in this game because they've been really, really good this season. They lost their first game to Everton, lost their last game to Liverpool, but you know they were unbeaten in between that with, with seven wins and four draws. They've had the best defence in the league. They've been scoring goals. They've got those two up front are, are brilliant. Leicester, on the flip side, have lost three of their last five. And they've had some questionable performances. I mean, they thought they were poor against uh, against Everton. They were dreadful against Liverpool. They lost to Fulham, which was, uh, you know, a, a very disappointing one as well. Um, at home, I'd have to fancy Spurs to win this. Son and Kane in such good form. I fancy both of them to score. I'm going to say 3-1 Spurs. Yeah, look, I, I don't blame you for a scoreline like that. More so, you know, with the way that Leicester seem to be playing at the moment, there just doesn't seem to be that fluidity. Maybe I'm being harsh, but I was expecting a lot more from Madison this season. Uh, I was really thinking he was going to push on and, and claim, you know, a, a, a position as one of the better attacking midfielders in the league. I mean, on paper, he still is, but I'm just not seeing it from him on the pitch as much as I'd like to so far this season. I think Spurs bounce back in this one. I think Mourinho, he's done well to do what Mourinho always does really well, which is deflect from the players. You know, he's spoken about everything else, but, you know, the players and the fact that they are in the title race. As You know, um, I can see what he's doing. It, it, it It's actually fun for me seeing Mourinho being like this because then it means we've got our Mourinho back. You know, that, that, that guy that came into the league that was so tactical mentally, um, and I, I think he's going to make sure that his players correct it this weekend. Obviously, I, I can still see a Jamie Vardy goal in this one, but I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna double up with you on that three one. I do think Spurs come out on top. They're gonna have too much firepower for Leicester. But speaking on, have have you felt the same about Madison this season? Yeah, I mean he's been unfortunate with the injuries. Obviously, he got injured in the second half of last season and, and carried that into this season. But he has been a little bit hit and miss. Um, he did have a very good performance against Brighton, scored a, yeah. a peach of a goal. But you know, it, Brighton haven't been particularly good of late. Um, that was their one kind of good performance in the last few weeks. They got lucky against Sheffield United. I do think Madison needs a you know a big run of games here because he's been overtaken in the in the ranks for England uh, by both you know Jack Grealish as more of a an attacking three player and then Mason Mount as one of the midfield options and 
I think he's a better player than both, so he just needs to get himself back on track. When he's fit, he's really good, and and they're really good because of it. So I, I hope to see the turnaround. I, I just don't expect it to be. Um, I don't expect it to be this weekend against Spurs. I think he'll maybe eye that United game as a game he'll have a lot more space in because United don't track runners very well. Speaking of Man United and speaking of attacking midfielders, uh, the next fixture it's. Man United versus Leeds. Man United obviously with an attacking midfielder that's taken the league by storm since January. And and he was an early shot for you. I remember mm-hmm. you've been a huge fan of Bruno Fernandes for a couple of years. How do you think he's done so far in the league? Obviously, they're, they're still to play at a time of recording. They're still to play against Sheffield United. But could you just talk us through how Bruno Fernandes has done this season and then lead on to how you think this game's going to go? Yeah, he's carrying a very poor team. Um, they have been dreadful in the Premier League this season. And I know that, you know, should they win their games in hand, they'd actually jump to second in the league. But it, that's not reflective of, of how they've played. You look at their performances in the Premier League this season, um, going right the way back to the start of the year, they played Palace, um, were dreadful uh, and, and got beaten. Um Went to Brighton, got comprehensively outplayed and got extremely lucky as Brighton hit the crossbar in the post like five times and got away with, with, with a win there. They were good for the last 20 minutes against Newcastle, but had been poor up until that point. They were poor against Chelsea. They were poor against Arsenal. They did play very well against Everton, it must be said. But they were poor against West Brom and West Brom were robbed of, a, of a, at least a point in that game by poor officiating. Um, they got demolished in the first half by Southampton. Southampton collapsed in the second half, and, and you know they had a good half, but that's what it was. It was a good half. Again, against West Ham, they got outplayed in the first half. West Ham missed some good chances, and, uh, and United came back in the second half. Again, a little bit of help from the officials who missed Dean Henderson's um, clearance going out of play and enabling United to score through Paul Pogba. And then obviously last time out, they they bored us all to tears against Manchester City. So they haven't been good. Bruno has been great. And obviously, you know, his his goals and assists are, for a midfielder, they're exceptional. He is, you know, he is a machine when it comes to that kind of output. Um, and, he, and he has been for the last couple of years. I mean, when he was with uh, Sporting Lisbon, he, you know, 16 in 56, 33 in 53, 15 and 28 in half a season, then 12 and 22 for United in half of last season, 11 goals in 18 in 18 games this season. And I know people say, oh, he's had a lot of penalties. You still have to score them. They yeah. still have to go in. And it's not just the goal, the penalties. Like he's scoring from open play as well. He's creating a bunch of goals. I think he has seven assists already this season. He had seven last season for them. Um, that season at, at Sporting, when he when he scored the 33 goals, he also had over 20 assists. He had 20 assists the season before when he scored 16 goals. So, like he is, he's a legitimate threat for 20 goals, 15 assists each and every year. Uh, that's just what he is as a player. Um, I, I think other than De Bruyne, he's the best attacking midfielder in the league, and you know he is he's carrying a team that are out of sorts. He's got. Very little help in midfield. I do like Fred, but he doesn't play every game. But Matic, McTominay, I mean, Pogba's been poor. Defensively, they're poor. They do have good op- options in attack with um, 
Greenwood, but he's not having a particularly good season. Rashford, obviously, is a very good player. Martial's very good. Again, he's not having a good season. And Cavani has been, you know, in and out of the team since joining and now maybe facing a three-game ban. So Bruno's having to do it all by himself. That's just the be-all and end-all of it. And, you know, he, he's more than capable. I expect him to to drag them to a win against Sheffield United. But I think in this game, they may come unstuck because, because of how Leeds play and because of how aggressive Leeds are and the way they set up and the way they kind of compress space and how they overload. When they attack, they throw seven and eight bodies forward. And I don't think United will know how to deal with that. United are very slow defensively. Lindelof and Maguire lack pace. Fred, McTominay and Matic, the, the nominal you know holding ones in midfield, don't have any pace either. I think this is a game set up for Leeds to win. I think this is Leeds go there and really run them off the pitch. And I think Leeds can win this game 3-1. Wow. And that's at Old Trafford as well. That's at Old Trafford, yeah. Which is a massive big pitch, which I think helps Leeds more than it helps United. Yeah, look, I I think it definitely favours Leeds in this game. And there's something to it about Man United at home this season. Even without the fans, it seems like the pressure is still getting to them. And I agree with you. I think they come unstuck. Um, I, I can see them beating Sheffield United tonight. And just because it's Oli... I don't trust him against Bielsa. I think Bielsa is no. going to have a special plan for him, and and he's Same. going to he's going to show uh, just the inexperience that Oli has. And I'm I'm going to go with the two one win for Leeds in this game. Um, do you think quickly? Do you think Oli could pull a Brendan Rodgers type Suarez run with Bruno Fernandes? I mean that that that's basically what they're doing at the moment. I don't think they've got enough to get them in the title race. Um, because they don't have players in form. I mean, Rashford's been okay this season, but not as good as we know he can be. Greenwood and Martial have been poor this season. Like, you you look back at that Liverpool team, Sterling and Suarez and Sturridge were all brilliant that year. Coutinho was brilliant that year. Jordan Henderson was really, really good in that box-to-box role. Steven Gerrard had that really good second half of the season after a pretty poor first half, but... Then you had players that could just come in like Joe Allen and do a really good job. Um, I don't know that United have the explosive nature or the reckless nature that that Liverpool team had. And I don't think they've got anybody in the middle of the park who can progress the ball the way Gerrard could. Like Liverpool could give it to Gerrard and he could ping a pass 40 yards or give it to Coutinho and he could carry the ball 40 yards. And then you had Henderson making those endless runs into the box and just creating havoc because someone would have to pick him up and that someone would step away from Suarez or Sterling or Sturridge and give them a half yard and that's all they really needed. So I don't think they've got, even though they've got good attackers, I don't think they've got the attacking threat or the makeup of that Liverpool team. And I don't think Oli has, I don't think Oli has the ego that Brendan had because Brendan believed that he could coach them up well enough that they could, negate the defensive issues and he almost did it like credit to the man he almost did it I don't think Ollie has that belief in himself that he could do that I think Ollie will always try and be balanced even though Ollie's version of balance has been poor at both ends in general 
Well, you mentioned explosive, and certainly one of these teams in our next fixture had an explosive start to the season. We felt the wrath of them. Uh, West Brom versus Aston Villa. How do you see this game panning up? Uh, it's Big Sam's uh, first game. Yes, of which course. which means it's um it's going to be a, a very deep bank of four. <laughs> another deep bank of four. I think you're being generous there. <laughs> it's going to be a deep bank of five and a bank of five, and, and nobody up front. It, it is. It just is. He's gonna he's gonna try and park the bus and welly his way to to safety. But it's what he does. It's what he's good at. I I think obviously Villa have been have been good this season, and um, even though they currently sit. 11th in the table they they're playing Burnley at the moment uh they have a game in hand against um Newcastle after the cancellation due to covid and a game in hand against City after the postponement at the start of the year to give uh, the the Manchester clubs that little bit of an extra break after the European um rambles after the lockdown lifted so you villa have villa have opportunities to to get them get themselves back up towards that top four mix. But it's Big Sam and he's just a spoiler. And this is the type of game he'll he'll be excited about. So I'm going to say 1-0 in a very dull, probably quite unwatchable kind of game. Villa are, without Barkley, they're still overly reliant on Grealish for creativity. Barkley had made such a difference, but I don't think he's expected back by the weekend. So, um, I will I will give give Big Sam his first point as uh, as West Brom manager. I'm gonna give him three points because that's just Big Sam. That's why he gets paid the big bucks. Mm. Um, I, I think, as you mentioned, the the Barkley thing is a big thing for me in this game. I think he would have taken away so many defenders away from Grealish or if they stayed with Grealish, just run the game himself then. He's very capable of that. I think him paired with Grealish could unlock what many really thought he could have done in in some of his earlier years. But alas, I don't think he's going to be able to play in this game either. I think think he's still a doubt for that one. I'm going to say... One, the manager bounce, obviously, getting a new manager in, that always affects the players. And I think Big Sam will be desperate to get a a really good performance, a solid performance, a clean sheet first and foremost, I think is going to be his biggest priority. And then I can see them sneaking a goal late in the game and and, and take this victory. And yeah, they, they move on probably to safety, knowing how Big Sam operates. But we move to another club that's in danger at the moment. It's Burnley. They play against a Wolves side that's been up and down this season. I don't even know how to describe what Burnley is at the moment. Can you? Um, no. I mean, they're they're currently playing Villa, and it's nil nil. They have bounced back a little bit after they had a dreadful start to the season. They they were, I think, one point from six or seven games they were like right there with Sheffield United they've they've improved they've won two of their last five um they they are they're back to being tough to beat but they're still trying to find ways to win games Wolves have been for me the most boring team in the league to watch this this season because of how much talent they should have and how they should play and how exciting they should be Compared to what they have been, I think they've been the most boring team in the league. Um, this game, for me, has has draw written all over it. 
Uh, I'll say 1-1, but 0-0 wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, Wolves have game winners. I mean, they've got Neto, they've got Pedence, they've got Adama. The loss of Jimenez is obviously huge because he's their their main number nine. He's a, one of the best all-round number nines in the league, if not in Europe. And um, I do think they feel that loss quite a lot, especially against teams like Burnley, who are going to be really deep block and just really make things hard and just niggle and, and bite at you all day long. I'll say a draw, but it wouldn't surprise me if Burnley picked up the win. Interesting. I, I was going to go the other way and I was going to give Wolves the win. Um, obviously, they, they got a win this past week against Chelsea. Um, a late win uh, to, uh, as well. Um, I, I think they just have a few more big game winners or, or, or get guys mm. that can turn up at the end of the game and, and get you that goal as was shown in that Chelsea game. And I think that's what's going to help them in this game. I definitely see it being a difficult game for them. Um, I'm going to go with the 1-0 to Wolves in this one. But we mentioned Chelsea. They're the next team. They're the last team we'll be speaking about. Well, them with West Ham. It's a London derby. How do you see Chelsea? Obviously, as I say this, I quickly you know, run to look at where West Ham are on the table before I make my assessment of how Chelsea are going to play. I think with West Ham, obviously they've had a really surprisingly good start to the season. Uh, currently sit in seventh position, just one point behind Chelsea, who sits sixth. Chelsea have really struggled against anybody uh, in the top half, the top 11, they're yet to beat anybody. Six games, three draws, three defeats, only four goals scored. Three of them came in one game. Frank has really struggled against good teams this year in, in domestic competition. And I mean, even if you look at their um, their Champions League, I mean, Sevilla are having a bad season Rens haven't been great this year at all, and Krosnodar are bang average. So Chelsea just struggled to beat good teams this year. Um, they seem to lack defined patterns of play. They seem to lack a real structure to the team. He seems to have settled on a back five, like goalkeeper and back four, but he doesn't seem to know what he wants to do in, in front of that. We know Mount will be in the team. We know Havertz will be in the team because he's been... I assume the price tag is forcing Havertz into the team, even though he's not playing well. And we know Werner will be there, but he doesn't seem to know how to use them. Like, Kai Havertz and Timo Werner are two of the best young players in Europe, and Frank doesn't really seem to know how to use them. It's it's almost like he never thought he'd have them, which is how I view it. Like, Timo Werner was going to Liverpool if, it, if COVID hadn't happened. And if Havertz was on the market again in a non-COVID year, Chelsea wouldn't have even been in the mix for him. He would have gone to Bayern or he would have gone to Real Madrid. Um, Chelsea were just opportunistic and it worked out well. They got two great young players, but I just don't think they have the manager. Normally you'd fancy Chelsea to win this game, but West Ham have been, they've just been good this season and they're really hard to play against. They've got quality in all areas. I really like that double pivot in midfield of, of Rice and, and Suchek. I think it's worked really well. And, um, you know, with Ben Rahman now coming into the team and getting minutes, Halar finding more confidence and, and more of his goal touch. I, I think this is a draw. I, I know I've picked a lot of draws, but, I, I, you know, until I see Chelsea beat a team in the top half, I'm not going to pick them to beat a team in the top half. So I'll say 2-2. Two, two. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, I'm also wary to give Chelsea a win uh, until I see it. I'd rather be a week late than 
you know, what seems like 10 weeks early at the moment with the way they're going. But I, I, I agree with you in terms of he still needs to unlock that attack. He still needs to figure out where everyone fits and how he wants them to play. And coming up against a very well-coached West Ham team this season, that's a problem. Usually, you know, you can get away with uh, very talented players and just putting them onto the pitch and they do something amazing. But against a team like this that has shown time and time again, I've, I've been very pleasantly surprised with how well West Ham have played throughout the season and, and how much they've made it very difficult for some of the top teams that you'd usually expect to just brush them aside. I've, I've, I've seen some of their games and I've been really impressed with that. So I'm going to go with a 2-1... No, no, no. I'm going to go with a 1-0 West Ham win. I think if I'm going to... If I'm going to speak about the bad Chelsea attacking, I need to back it up in this game. And I think West Ham are going to be disciplined enough and, and get that 1-0 win. And yeah, I think Chelsea just need to sort out that attack as quickly as possible. But we will end it there. And that's going to do it for this episode of A Tad Predictable. Dave, do you have anything you want to plug, put over or promote before we wrap up? Uh, just a two-footed podcast every day at 4 p.m. And uh, um. As we said earlier, check out Liberty Shield, libertyshield.com. Get yourself a nice VPN, EPL VPN, to get 20% off. Awesome stuff. From my end, go ahead and check out all the content on EPL Index website. There's match previews, post-match reviews, player performances. Always a great article from Jake. I'm always plugging those. I enjoy reading um, his writings. Of course, as Dave has mentioned, you can check out the daily podcast show, the Two-Footer Podcast with Dave himself. Uh, finally also check out our flagship show that runs weekly it's the epl roundtable it's with kev devries he sits down with a bunch of panelists and they do all the previews and reviewing of everything that's happening in the epl i'm sure they'll be discussing the voting that took place today in the epl um, you can follow this account um, on the new twitter account a tad predictable on twitter you can follow epl index at epl index on twitter Subscribe to EPR Index on your podcast channel. If you feel so inclined, give us five-star ratings. Write positive comments. Let us know, you know what you think of the show. It really, really helps us out. Uh, huge thank you to Dave. I, I always try and take advantage whenever Dave is on to get his football insights. So I highly recommend that daily show. Um, you'll get a lot of Dave then and, and really good content. I've been Tadiwa Chanakira. You can find me on Twitter at TadPredicts. The lovely lady that does our guest intros, Jody, and she's currently leading our Bank It or Burn It segment for this iteration of it. She's at Spursy141. Our producer behind the glass, Guy Drinkle, he's at Guy Drinkle on Twitter. He's been Dave Hendrick at Two Footed Pod. And remember, Chisinga Perry, Chinoshura. Podcast Network.